0: I have about five different messages that I could preach. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think that we will start in Colossians. That's a for sure. Jared, thank you. Jesus, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, we say yes to whatever you have this morning. We say yes to whatever you have. And so I pray for eyes to see, for ears to hear, and hearts to understand what you're saying. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, Colossians. Let's start in chapter one. If you haven't read the book of Colossians, do it. And then read it again, and then again, and then again, and then maybe one more time. Okay, verse nine. How do you grow? By learning to know God. When you know him more and more, you grow. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you. Oh, this is such good news. This is such good news. Always think of the Father. Because he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Who live in the what? So we get to share in his, you know, he enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, which is who? Who? Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Oh, it's wonderful news. So he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and then he transferred us into the kingdom of his Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That's great news, right? You want to hear more about Jesus? Christ, Jesus, Jesus, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, I got a mom look up there. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you first heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So let's talk more about Jesus. I love, love, love reading Colossians. I was sitting there on my porch, and I'm reading this, and it was all of a sudden that moment where you realize how big Jesus is and how small you are. It was one of those moments where I just sat there, and I was like, I am utterly dependent on God. I literally, the only reason that I'm able to sit here is because he's holding all creation together. That means he's literally holding the world together. He's holding the universe together. He's holding my body together. I'm utterly dependent on Jesus. Literally the only reason that I am alive, the only reason that we're alive right now is because Jesus is holding everything together. It made me, like I was sitting there and I was like, oh God, I am so small and you're so big. But that's how Jesus needs to be. I mean, how crazy is it that he is the beginning? So literally everything was created through him. Everything was created through him. And for him. That just kind of offends your mind a little bit. That literally everything was created through him and it's for him, therefore he's the creator, he's the source, it's what it's all about. It's literally all about Jesus. He is the center, he is supreme, he was the first, he existed before anything else. And he died for us. He literally, across like a tree that he created, right? So he creates this tree and then he humbles himself and chooses to die on the tree that he created for our sins. How beautiful is he? A tree that he created, he then humbles himself and dies on that tree. He gets spit on, he gets beaten beyond Recognition. Because he loved us. And yeah, this is a basic message, but it's everything. It's everything. And if we don't get that, we miss everything. If we don't get this, we miss everything. Jesus really is To be our all in all. He is the only foundation. Hmm. Colossians 2, verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all of the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with, with Christ. Who is the head over every ruler and authority? Oh, Jesus. Should I just keep reading Colossians? We could. Okay, I will. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision that cut away your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Who's excited to get baptized? This should make you excited to get baptized. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Oh, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with for he forgave all of our sins and he canceled the record and of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross Amen. in this way in this way he disarmed the prince the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross yeah. ah <laughs> Oh, Jesus, I just can't get over it. Like the gospel will never, it'll never grow old because it's all that matters. Literally, it's the good news of Jesus Christ, right? It's not the good news of whatever. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. So we are to know who Christ is, what he has done. He's wonderful. And guess what? This is an invitation to really know him. Intimately know him. Intimately, intimately, intimately. It gets me excited. But I also, there's a reality right now. I've felt this urgency in my spirit. If you were in VSSM on Thursday night, you got to experience some of that. But there's this urgency in my spirit to realize that we can't just play church games anymore. We can't. This isn't a warm-up. How we live right now is going to matter for eternity. Right now. What you believe, what your foundation is, what your hope is, that determines eternity. You can't just play church games. It's a time to wake up. To wake up. So, I might share some verses that kind of hurt. I might share some verses that kind of put a little fear. Hallelujah. girls over there are like, yes, Jesus. Why is that a yes, Jesus? Because you realize what you were saved from. Like, we have to realize that we needed a Savior. And what really happened when Jesus died on the cross for us? And how wonderful he is. Okay, you ready for John? Let's go to John 3.16. Do you know that one? Huh. Do you know what comes after it? <sighs> oh. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There goes some of my notes. Hallelujah. This is how God loved the world. So we just read about Jesus, right? That he's supreme. He's head over all. This is how God loved the world. That he literally sent Jesus to die for us. So that if we believe in him, we wouldn't perish, but we'd have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus was sent not to judge, but to save. But he later will be judged. But right now, he came to save, right? There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. There's no judgment against what? Anyone who in him. But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed." But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So what does his light do? It exposes sin, right? For some reason, sometimes in the church, they're two different, we've gone to two different extremes. Hardline, you're terrible, you're wretched, you're, you know, you're a worm, right? Who heard that ever? Okay. Then, over here, we swung to this other opposite, where it's like, hey, you're amazing. Like, you're so special. God created you to be so awesome. And a part of it's true. If you're in Christ. You on your own aren't awesome. You with Christ are amazing. You on your own are a sinner, and your heart is wicked, right? Until Jesus comes and he becomes Lord and then he leads and we follow, and then we can do all things through Christ, who gives us strength. So we have to have both. He's the, what's the reality? His light comes in, it begins to shine on some of that sin in our life, and all of a sudden we're like, ah! Because he reveals stuff that's yuck. And then all of a sudden we realize, I need a savior. So we have to choose to say no to that and have him be Lord, right? Okay, so this is what I think is so beautiful, is that Jesus, that's in red too, so it's Jesus talking, so you can't argue it. So Jesus says that, and then shortly after he talks about the Samaritan woman. So the story is, he goes to the well, the Samaritan woman is there, and she's gathering, who's watched The Chosen? Oh, You should watch that episode. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. So she's sitting there. It's the afternoon. It's hot. And she's gathering water because she's an outsider. Jesus comes, asks for water, and then, you know, lets her know, hey, if you drink from my water, you'll never thirst again. And she's like, well, tell me this water then. basically, like, I don't want to have to walk here all the time. And then Jesus... He says to her, go and get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with. You certainly spoke the truth. And what's crazy is that literally his light shines, right? So his light exposed the truth. Like, you're right. You actually are totally living in sin. But the fact that that was called out, she then gets hungry and starts asking him questions. And it's crazy, because she literally leaves, meeting the Messiah, runs back to her village, being like, I met the man who told everything about me. Like, it's crazy, because to us, we don't seem like we'd be like, yeah, he knew that I totally sinned, and I did all this stuff, and I was sleeping around, and I wasn't faithful, and he knew it all. But she realized, yeah, I was stuck in my mess, and he knew me. And he came to save me, and I met the Messiah. Like, how beautiful is Jesus when he comes in, and he highlights this junk in our life, and we're like, well, I'm sleeping around, and I feel really anxious, and I never feel like I'm I'm worthy, and, you know, whatever the sin is. And then he goes, you're right, I can save you from that. That's the beauty of his light. That's the beauty of Jesus. That's what it means that he came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He came not to judge, but to save. But that happens when his light exposes the sin, right? And then we step into his light. Let's read more about him. How about that? But we need his refining fire, I believe as the body of Christ, more than ever, we need his refinement. We do. I mean, if you watch the news, if you go on social media, you can tell. We need the Lord's refinement. We need his fire. Matthew 22, it says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. To, like, do we really love Him? Can you say, I genuinely love the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, my emotions, everything that makes me up, and all of my mind? That's our greatest commandment, it says. And that's what we're called to do. And that's what part of this is learning to love Him with everything. Not just a good saying, but truly love Him with every fiber of our being. So Jesus, we know that he came into the world not to condemn, but to save, right? Okay, what does he say to his followers then? Because sometimes we only hear that. We're like, yay, Jesus saved me. Woo, I prayed this prayer. I'm good. Or we kind of have this gospel that's like, hey, you know, if you like accept Jesus in your heart, he makes everything better and your life's just awesome. And then people are like, "Yeah, on my Instagram I have this verse, John 3:16 because it's the only one I know." But what does Jesus actually say about being a follower? Let's read. Matthew 16 verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "So this is read, "Tim If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in glory. It will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in this kingdom. So Jesus came to save, correct? He came to save. But we have to be aware of. And how we're supposed to live this life is the reality. And when we see him next, he's coming as judge. Right? Right? And so that's why I'm saying we can't just play church games anymore. Like, you really can't. What does he say? If you really want to be my follower, you give up your own way. You take up your cross and you follow. If you're trying to hang on to your life, you're gonna lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So following Jesus means I get rid of my rights. Like he actually becomes Lord of my life. That means my mind, will, emotions have to line up to him. If you wanna be my follower, you give it up. It really does, doesn't it? Isn't that what that said? I mean, it's not that easy to hear sometimes, but it's true. And this is what's beautiful. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth, right? So we put on this new nature, like we were reading in Colossians. He literally cut off our old nature. And then we just, we come to follow him and he begins to transform everything. But that means I lay down my rights now, Jesus. What you say is, is king. I mean, he's Lord, Right. That means what he says goes. That means that my emotions are not more important than this. That means that if there's something in the Bible and my life isn't lining up to it, I kind of need to switch. (laughs) He's not just to be in our image. And that's a part of, there's some verses in the Bible that kind of scare you a lot. They put a lot of the fear of the Lord, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, right? Okay. So in that, let's just, I'll give you more Bible. How about that? I'm going to let the Bible speak. Okay. So he says that if you want to be a follower, you give up your own way. You take up your cross and follow him. In Matthew 7 verse 21 read again. are the ones who actually do the will of his Father. So in this process, what I know for me when it came to miracles, signs, and wonders, I love miracles, signs, and wonders. Absolutely. And I saw a lot of them. It was glorious. And I still do. Praise God. But I was far more after miracles than I was Jesus. So I began to know the feeling of what it was like to see someone healed in Jesus' name. But I was far more after seeing the miracle than rather Jesus and His will. And so I knew miracles. Woo! But did I know Jesus? I did. But my affection was about miracles rather than Jesus. And this is a very, like, common thing, I'd say, especially in kingdom culture and whatnot. But that's why, are we to do His will? I just, these verses, let them be a little bit of soul searching. That's what it's been for me. I'll just explain. This is kind of the journey I've been on lately with the Lord. Where He's kind, and His kindness leads us to repentance, correct? So because He's kind, He began to show me some of the motives in my heart. But he began to show me the motives in my heart when I began to get into my Bible. Because the Bible says that the word of God is sharpened the two-edged sword, right? Pierces between bone, marrow, and it reveals our innermost thoughts, our motives. So the word of God can then whoo, pierce like when you're reading it and you go, ah, Jesus, I didn't even realize that on that mission trip that I was way more after everyone's, like, what they would say about me because of my testimonies than I was about you. That's what he did. So in this, throughout this process, every single step of the way, the whole purpose is to know Jesus. Him. He's your goal. He's our prize. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're to follow Him and listen to what He's saying. That Jesus only did what the Father was saying, right? So that's what we're called to do. What's the Father saying? We're called to do His will. 1 Corinthians 3... 11, that's Philippians, that's Corinthians. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are to build on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys his temple, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. So the foundation is to be Jesus. And there's a reality that on judgment day like we're going to stand before him and everything has to go through the fire. Everything is going to go through it. And the things that stand are what we're actually eternal. So that comes to our motives. That comes to the work we do like is it really what the Lord is saying? And like I said these aren't necessarily fun scriptures. But it's going to produce things, it will produce righteousness in us because it begins to shine the light on things that we don't necessarily like to have the light shined on. But it teaches us to live for the things that will matter before the throne. That's how we're supposed to live. In reality, what is going to matter before the throne of God? Because I can assure you, when we're there, we're not going to think about everything else. What's going to matter before the throne of God? What's going to make it through the fire? Matthew 25. Let's go in the wrong direction. I have a lot of bookmarkers in right now. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil, olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming! Come out and meet him! All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. So what is this life all about? Why are you really here? Are you checking off your church checklist? Or are you here to get oil? But I can assure you that just getting oil here will not last you enough for the week, probably. So he's talking about, I never knew you. Like, he really wants to intimately know us. So we have to have oil. What does that mean? Luis, you asked me, what does it look like to get oil? Those are the questions we're to ask. I said it looks like intimacy with Jesus. So that looks like getting in your word. That looks like reading this like your life depends upon it, because it really, truly does. That looks like praying. That looks like worshiping. That looks like being with Jesus. That looks like living a different life than the world. That looks like fixing your eyes on him, not just the preacher doing it. Because trust me, this is what happens. As someone's speaking, the second you're done, you're like, yay. But then you get in your car and you go, Jesus, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said this. Because it's a short time. And you can only express so much. But there's an urgency. Like, I feel this so strongly. And I want people to be awake. Like, on Judgment Day, I don't want to have to stand before the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. I was just afraid to share that verse because I thought it might offend some people. Then they might not come back to church. So these are the verses that we have to read. Why did the disciples' lives look different? Because Jesus was everything. All of their hope was in him. Jesus, you hold the words of life. Like, have we come to a place where we're ready to be crucified upside down for Jesus? No. Or like early church Christians, lions eat them. They're burned. Modern day Christians, that Facebook post really offended me. Like seriously, it's pathetic, but it shows where our hearts are. It hurts to say, but it's real. And we have to let his light shine. Philippians 3. Verse seven. Yeah. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith. in. for God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. And I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Ah, are we at that place that we're like, I want to suffer for Christ? Is that your everyday conversation? No, we're like, oh God, we weren't able to meet in church. I had to sit on my comfy couch and watch. Ugh. But real, I mean, it could be a test, absolutely. But seriously, are we at the point where we're like, I want to suffer for Christ. Like, I want to experience his resurrection truly. I count everything else as rubbish in comparison to knowing Christ. We get to know him. This is the beautiful thing. It's not just a, a verse, but it's, it's really, it became real to them. And I want to become real to each of us. That when you know Jesus, that's everything. Everything. It really is everything. It's all that matters is to really intimately know him. First Peter. Doo-doo-doo. Oh boy. Is it there? Oh Linda, you're awesome. I'm just gonna read there because I got myself all confused here for a moment. I might find it, but it slipped down pretty far. Okay, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in where? Heaven. For you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Continue. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will prove that your faith is genuine and it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when, when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. We can keep going. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. I'm going to pull it up on my phone, Linda, because I'm going to have us reading back and forth for a few things. So what do trials prove? What do they test? Your faith. So trials prove that your faith is genuine. So trials are an exciting thing, and they prove that our faith is genuine. So when trials come, you go, yes! There are rewards in heaven! Hallelujah! Right? That's our response every time there's trials, aren't there? Isn't it? Okay, it should be. Talks about the salvation was something the prophets wanted to know more about. Here we go. This is what's really powerful. Verse 13. We skip these verses sometimes. Are you ready? So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all of your hope, put all of your what? All of your hope in this gracious salvation that will come to you when is revealed to the world. So where's our hope supposed to be? In Jesus, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. What did we talk about? That we give up our own way, right? So our sinful life was to satisfy our own desires. We get stripped of our old sinful nature, new nature, new creations in Christ, and it actually is all to bring God glory. So he will change your desires. He'll do all this stuff with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So we're to live as obedient children, not to slip back into our old ways of living to satisfy our own desires. You didn't know any better then. So what do we say? Jesus came to save the world, right? He came to save sinners. So he saved me, praise God. Thank you, Lord, he saved me because I didn't know any better then. But now that I know, I live differently, correct? So if you don't know today, you get to know. You can get to know him and he changes everything. But now, what, but now you must be holy in everything you do, for as, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So there are rewards in heaven, Correct? That's an exciting thing. You must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. So this life is all about him. It's as simple as that, but we really are to be judged or rewarded for how we live. So if you look at people in China, They live a lot different than we do, right? Like the Christian church in China. They live way different. They realize this place isn't their home. They're traveling through. They meet together for church knowing that, hey, I could totally be beaten like crazy, but guess what? I'm gonna be rewarded in heaven for this. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is not in my economy. My hope is not in my government. My hope is 100% in Jesus. So that's how we're called to live. Okay, back to Colossians. Are you ready for more good news in Colossians? Colossians 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Is that the case for all of us? Do we love this life? Because if we love this life and cling to it, we'll lose it. But if we love him, our real life is actually hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. When Christ, who is your life, is he really your life? This is the question for us. Is he really our life? When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So I think about the most glorious moments that I've had with the Lord. And it's only a fraction of what that's going to be like. So where is your heart? If your heart's in him, holy moly, you have unshakable joy and hope. If he's your life, you go through this and you go, come Lord Jesus, I'm ready. If he's not your life, you go, I'm so scared for judgment day, I'm not ready. It's true. If he's your life, you look to the sky and you go, come. Come, because my life is hidden in you. Come. So what do we do? We're to put to death the sinful and earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of, the sin, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. So when do you do those sins? When your life is still a part of the world. So here's a heart check. What does this look like practically? If I'm being tempted by all these things, like seriously, here's a reality check. If you're being tempted, your hope starts going down, you're like struggling, your heart's probably starting to shift towards the world rather than Jesus. So basic steps for me. If my, like, Bethany and I were talking about this, if all of a sudden you're short with people and whatnot, you normally can look and be like, I actually didn't read my Bible today. Makes a lot more sense. So it's basic, but it's an everyday choice. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. So if I'm tempted by all those things, it's because I'm probably looking at them a whole lot more than I'm looking at him. Because he's my life. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. He literally was the beginning. He created all things. All things were created through him, for him. He chose to humble himself, die on a cross for me, to set me free, to save me. He died for me when I was yet a sinner, like stuck in my sin. Not when I was even trying. When I was just a straight up mess. He goes, I love you and I'm going to come and die for you and save you. He can be your life and he can be your everything. But he has to really, like... He really wants you. He doesn't want to be your accessory. He wants to be your everything. He wants to be your life. He does. Thank you, Jesus. Here's some more things. Just because the body of Christ, we need to hear this. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time. When? Now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, sarcastic jokes all the time where all we're doing is tearing each other down. Just saying. And dirty language. I hate it when people are like, I'm a Christian and I cuss. I'm a Christian and I cuss a little. I'm like, well, have you read the Word of God? I'm like, you better die to yourself and read the Word. Like, humble yourself. If you think you can do that, you think you're better than what Jesus says, and you need to kill that pride in you. Like, it's as simple as that. We just, we make these excuses, and we want Jesus to look the way we want Him to so that we can be comfortable in our sin. But that's why Jesus says, "I trust me, I never knew you. You thought you knew me because you made your picture of me, but that was never me. Am I right? Come on. Don't lie to each other, if you have stripped off your old nature. Put on your new nature, which is to be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Oh, so we put on our new nature, but how do we be renewed? We come to know Jesus more and more and more and more. How do you know Him? Just start reading your Bible. Like it's so simple, it's little steps. Start reading your Bible, start coming to church, start hanging out with Christian friends, start worshiping. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, if you're white, black, Asian, Native American, any of it, Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. Let the message about Christ and all its richness. I'm down at verse 16. Sorry, Linda. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that He gives, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So that looks like, why don't you go out to lunch with, well, social Sunday. We'll do that sit around a table, start talking about Jesus, begin to share what he did in your life. This is my testimony. This is how Jesus saved me. Tell me, what's Jesus talking to you about? If we begin to change even our conversations, like are we comfortable talking about Jesus? Are we more comfortable just talking about football? But these are serious things that we have to like work out in us where we're like, shoot, that has way more of my affection than you do, Jesus. Is it really comfortable to talk to people about? Okay, so I got this new coffee blend, and then you da 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 da, you know, like, oh my gosh, Trev, I got the most awesome plant. I love it so much. Like, if that's more of my conversation than Jesus, probably shows that a lot more of my attention, focus, devotion is to those things than rather than Him. Okay. I'm just giving a few more verses. And then we really will go and we'll eat and we'll celebrate and it'll be awesome. But I feel, I felt like this more and more, like John the Baptist, where he prepared the way for Jesus. And that's what we're called to do as well. We're here to prepare the bride for Jesus's return. It's time that we start talking about it way more It used to scare me to talk about it, and that's because I didn't want to die. In reality, it wasn't so exciting to talk about Jesus' return because I didn't really want to die because I still was scared of death. But why was I scared of death? Well, probably because my real life wasn't hidden in Him. So why don't we start talking about His return? Why don't we start talking about Jesus more? Is that a hopeful thing? Because the Scriptures sure made it sound like it, that when, hey, when Christ is revealed when he comes your real life is hidden in him and you're going to share in all of his glory that's a glorious thing we should be excited okay luke 12 okay Let's do verse 35. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. The servants who are ready and waiting for His return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He Himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever He comes, He will reward the servants who are ready. He's going to reward us if we're ready. So now's the time each of us individually have to really get before the Lord. Am I ready? Make me ready. I started praying a prayer where I'm like, Jesus, teach me how to love you rightly. Lord, show me more and more. I want to love you rightly. Teach me how to love you rightly, Jesus. Okay, Luke 21, just because it's really good. And it really sets us free when we start reading these, huh? I was talking to Cameron, but she was looking down. Luke 21, verse 25. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. This is red. This is Jesus. And there will be strange signs from the sun, the moon, and stars, and here on the earth, nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone, everyone, will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. When all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Then he gave them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled. Rousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let the day catch you unaware like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray, this is Jesus, that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. So are we ready for Him? Are we at a place where we're literally, we see signs happening and we stand up and we look up being like, Jesus, come. Are we at that place? Truly. Because I was not. I'll just say that I wasn't. Are we longing for Him? Is He really our Savior? Is He really our hope? Because if He is our hope, then we get excited. But if He's not, we won't be what a time to be alive what an encouraging thing to know Jesus and if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him he's wonderful he's beautiful he's all things wonderful beautiful he's kind but you can't just kind of flirt with Jesus he wants to be Lord He's not an accessory, He's Lord. What He says goes. Your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, they don't. What He says goes. Come on! And it's a glorious, painful, awesome process because you died yourself and you realize, oh Jesus, crucify that in me. Thank you, Lord. And then you actually get free because your worries aren't about this life anymore. It's just all about Him. It's wonderful, He's glorious. So let's go ahead. Let's stand up. Philippians 2, 5, says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to said he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he hu- appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every other name that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father he's beautiful he's so kind like I said he created the tree that he then chose to humble himself hang on die on for our sins so that we could become new creations in Christ, so that He could live in us, so that we could be dead to sin, alive to God. We could have a secured eternity in heaven with Him, and He wants to be Lord of your life. If you don't know Him, He wants to be Lord of your life. And so I feel like there are two different things I want us to pray about Um One, if you fall into the category of me and some other people that I know where you're like, Jesus, I love you, but I don't know if I really long for your return and I don't, uh." or even like we had these talks where people were saying, you know, I didn't really believe Jesus was coming back. I like to believe everything else. But there's a beautiful time to repent about that and say, Jesus, make me ready. Jesus, make me ready. If you don't know Jesus, i would encourage you to come up we have some people who want to pray with you partner with you what it really means is being like jesus i want you to be lord of my life i don't want to have to run my life anymore i want you to be king i want you to come in my heart i want you to take away this sin that i don't want to be stuck with anymore and i want to be free lord i repent of it and i choose you jesus i want to follow you so we're going to have a time where you can they'll minister to you but I encourage you respond to the Lord and I really encourage you read your Bible at home seriously read these verses on your own read these verses on your own so Jesus I thank you for all that you have done today and I thank you that you're making us ready Jesus Jesus I thank that you are making us ready and I pray that we would become so aware of you Jesus So we thank you for all that you have done. And we say that all of our hope is in you, Jesus. We say, come, Lord. We say, come, come, come. Use us however you want. It is all for your glory, Jesus. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.